0: Hello and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Today is April the 29th. I hope you are doing well. Today we're going to pick up our study in the book of Daniel. Uh, Last time we were together we got into Daniel chapter number 3 and just did some introductions. So I just want to back up just a bit and start there. So if you have your Bibles, Daniel (coughs) chapter number 3, excuse me. Daniel chapter 3 is full of what we call foreshadowing or typology. Um, A type in scripture is a person or thing in the Old Testament that foreshadows a person or thing in the New Testament. For example, uh, Noah's flood in Genesis 6 and 7 is used as a type of baptism by Peter in 1 Peter 3 verses 1 through 21. Uh, when Peter makes the statement, the like figure whereinto even baptism doth also now save us. Um, as what Peter is saying is, as the flood saved the people in Noah's day, so baptism saves us uh, during the kingdom age. And, you know, I need to rightly divide there because Peter is preaching a kingdom gospel. And he is accurately saying that baptism doth now save us. And he goes on, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of grace, uh, we do not have to be baptized uh, to be saved. But understand under the gospel of the kingdom, the, the message was repent and be baptized. They had to be baptized. The faith had to be followed by works, uh, under the gospel of the kingdom, which Peter taught. So Peter referred back to the flood of Noah. So that is a type. In other words, just like the flood cleansed the world of sin. So baptism represents a spiritual cleansing of sin is what Peter's saying. The type in this chapter, the types in this cha- chapter foreshadow the resistance Um, of the Jews to the worship of the Antichrist during Daniel's 70th week. And understand, all Old Testament prophecy is for Israel. Um, I had a brother said the other day that uh, Paul never taught anything that was not in the Old Testament. Well, that's not correct. Um, Paul taught the mystery, the body of Christ, Uh, That was not in the Old Testament. So (laughs) Paul did teach new things. Um, And I think that's why Paul had such a hard time among Jews. Uh, That's why he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, Understand God's initial plan was to use the nation of Israel to reach the Gentiles. That is what all Old Testament prophecy looked toward. That's what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels. And when that failed to materialize, when the nation rejected the Christ and his kingdom, God raised up the Apostle Paul, uh, like Peter said, who taught things that were hard to understand. So, Paul did teach things that were not in the Old Testament. The Bible says that it was hidden. And trust me, if God hides something, you're not going to find it. So,. so, the types in this chapter foreshadowed the resistance of the Jews to the worship of the Antichrist during the time of Daniel's 70th week. And of course, we looked at a few things how the King Nebuchadnezzar uh, could be a type of the Antichrist, the Hebrew children, a type of the 144,000 that were supernaturally protected, uh, the golden image. Um, the image of the Antichrist that is going to be placed in the rebuilt temple, the fiery furnace, the tribulation itself. And some would go on to say that Daniel even represents the church. So, But like I said, the church was hidden in the Old Testament, so I wouldn't get too dogmatic on that one. But it does, um, it does seem to flow. Uh, I wouldn't start a church on it, though. Um, so let's go ahead and look in verses 1 through 7 and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and a breadth thereof six cubits. He set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, and the counselors, and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers, the counselors and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbutt, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sack sack but the psaltery and all kinds of music all the people the nations and the languages fell down worshipped the golden image that nebuchadnezzar the king had set up let's pray real quick father we love you ask that you go before us now bless the reading of your word open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand in jesus name amen um in response to the dream that nebuchadnezzar had had that daniel had interpreted in the previous chapter Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Now, whether this was a representation of his dream, uh, and many times we do that, we, we assume that he made an image of the dream that he had with the head of gold and the chest and the arms of silver and the, the thighs of brass and the legs of silver and the feet of iron and clay. Um, you know, in other words, he made it out of gold in arrogance. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we read into the text that that's what he made, but that's not what that says. It says he made an image. Uh, we don't know what kind of image he made. Uh, we don't know if it was a representation of his dream. We don't know if it was an image of himself. We don't know if it was something else. We, we just don't know. Um, I was listening to Randy White the other day and he suggests that, that it is actually, it might be an obelisk. Um, or even an Asherah pole. Um, because if you look at the dimensions, I mean, it's like 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Um, that doesn't sound proportional for a image of a human being. Um, I mean, he points out that the dimensions are actually 10 to one. Um, so it could have actually been maybe an obelisk. Um, or it could have been a um, an Asherah pole. Uh, we're just not sure. We do know that those were around. Those were there. Asherah poles uh, were to the Canaanite goddess Asherah. Uh, they were sometimes, most of the time, they were just uh, stylized trees. Uh, thus, in the King James, it refers to them as groves. It refers to them as groves because trees grew in groves, um, in uh, second in second Corinth in second Kings I believe it is, and I'm going to show that to you right now. Second Kings, uh, chapter number eighteen, we see this. Second Kings, chapter number eighteen. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, um, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah. The son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. 25 years old he was when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David did. And he removed the high places and he broke the images and he cut down the groves. Those groves there referring to groves of trees. Uh, So he cut down the groves, uh, referring to the trees that they were worshiping, which, of course, points back to Asherah. Uh, She was tied. I mean, you can read the whole history on it. I started reading it the other day. It was quite interesting. She was tied to El, the god El. Um, Well, we know Elohim, the Bible. She was actually, some said she was the wife of El or Yahweh. She was tied to the tree of life and fertility. So, But either way, uh, we, we're not sure what it was. Uh, now I've become more convinced it was not an image of Nebuchadnezzar because the dimensions would be horribly off. It fits more of an obelisk or an asherah pole. And of course, obulus, obelisk, the most famous one that you probably know of, is the one in Washington, D.C., um, you know, very tall, and very narrow, and those are found throughout the world, throughout history, uh, those uh, obelisks. So uh, it was probably that. Either way, it's amazing to me that how soon Nebuchadnezzar forgot the God of Daniel. Uh, because if you remember uh, back in the previous chapter, after Daniel had um, interpreted the dream for him, Old Nebuchadnezzar spoke some pretty, pretty profound words in verse 46 when he said, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to him. And the king said to Daniel, Of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Well, now he's went from the God of gods to Nebuchadnezzar making his own God, if you will, for the people to worship. So that's the amazing thing. And that's what we need to carry away from the text. Uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had set up an image of something that the people were to worship. Now look in in, uh, in verse number 8 of Daniel. Let's see, chapter number 3. Um in verse number eight. We're going to read verses eight through thirteen. Wherefore, at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, and spake and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever falleth not down and worship it, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. And there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were their Babylonian names. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve nor worship my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? So in these verses, we see that, to my knowledge, this is the first time that I see civil disobedience in the Bible. I think we pointed that out last time. Um... Were they justified in their refusal to bow? Um, After all, you know, the Bible has some pretty strong language in regards to being obedient to the authorities that has been placed over us. Um, For example, the Bible says in Colossians 3.22, Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Um, you know, that doesn't leave a lot of room for disobedience there. Also in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, That and let them do it with joy and not with grief, that it might be profitable for you. But obviously, um, there is a line that has to be drawn in obeying authorities. Um, you know, Peter... Uh, You'll remember Peter and the other apostles in Acts chapter 5. After they were told not to preach anymore in this name. uh, Then Peter and the other apostles said we ought to obey God rather than men. So Peter was going to definitely um, disobey the authorities that were placed over him. So, you know, from what I can see here by their example there are times when we are to disobey there are times when we are not to blindly follow Uh, and those times are when um, it is a direct violation of God of God's will of God's Word in our lives those are times that we need to disobey Um, I remember one time I was asked to lie to one of my customers at a company that I worked for. We had occurred uh, some costs that were unexpected and uh, my boss told me to fudge the numbers, you know, put a few more man hours here and here and here until we had recouped the cost. And uh, I was a young man, but I still had uh, um, the backbone to say, no, I'm not gonna do that. And I went home thinking, you know, I may very well lose my job because of this. Um, a couple days later, he came into my office and actually gave me more responsibility as that he found that I was not willing to do what some of the others were willing to do in the company. So, you know, it's always better to obey God rather than men. And that's what these young men were doing. Um, it's interesting here, here how that they they accused the Jews Um, obviously, you know, when it says there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, there was some jealousy going on for sure. These outsiders had come in and now all of a sudden, you know, Daniel's at the top and you've got these three other, these three other Hebrews under him. So there was some jealousy. So there was a lot of eyes on these guys at this time. Well, then we get down into, in verses, uh, uh, 14 and and 15. And we see there Nebuchadnezzar, um, and is the, let's see, verse number 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? Now, it looks like he would have already known this from the previous chapter. Nor worship the golden image, which I've set up. But understand, these guys were very pantheistic. They had many gods. Um, They didn't see a problem. They were not monotheistic. I think Nebuchadnezzar in his defense just saw, you know, there was a ranking of gods in the pantheon of gods, even with the Greeks. And um, so Nebuchadnezzar had a problem with this. Now, if, now if you be ready at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the, the flute, the harp, the sack, but the psaltery and the dulcimer and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which was made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour <clears throat> into the midst of the burning fire for- furnace. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands? Now, that was <clears throat> that was a pretty pompous statement there. <laughs> he said, "Who is that God that will?" <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a cough. I assure you, it's not the virus. But uh, who will deliver you out of my hands? So from these verses, we have to conclude that uh, Nebuchadnezzar did have a fondness uh, for these Hebrew men uh, by offering them another chance. Um, Remember, this guy had a pretty horrible reputation with how he dealt with his enemies. And the very fact, I mean, he he said in his command, in this selfsame hour, you will die. Uh, maybe they were at forty five minutes, but but obviously, I, I think that I think Nebuchadnezzar had a fondness. He knew something was going on after what Daniel, and remember the boys were with Daniel when he interpreted the dream. So I think Daniel, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was showing a little bit of partiality toward these guys. and I, I'm sure the the other folks realized that as well, thus the the jealousy and the envy there. But notice what it says in verse 16. Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we don't even have to think about this. We don't even have to pray about it. You know, I hear so many people, you know, they'll say, well, let me pray about that. No, the Bible says you're. this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you don't pray about something that's clearly already revealed. Let me see, should I pray about you know, killing this person, or should I pray about doing this or worshiping this? No, I mean, this was clear scripture. These guys didn't have to pray. This guy's didn't have to think. I mean, they're saying we are not even careful to answer thee in this matter. And that expresses the boldness that these guys had. And and then they said in verse 17, and if it be so, our God whom we serve will is able, look at that, is able. To deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. And You got to figure how brazenly bold that is for them to say that to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and then look at verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Notice the faith that these guys had. Uh, you know, Hebrews eleven six 6 is one of my favorite portions of scripture where it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is obedience, even when you are unsure of the outcome. Faith is doing the right thing regardless of the consequences. And that's exactly what Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego were getting ready to do. And then notice in verse number 19, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. He's angered by what these guys said. And the form of his visage was changed against Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake. In other words, uh, they had ran out of fondness at this point with the king. And he commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Now, now we see the king's anger at this point. Um, now again, many see this as just how bad the tribulation will be. Um, the fact that he's going to have this furnace that's going to be heated. Notice he says seven times. And again, you see the number seven. Uh, how long is the tribulation? The time of Jacob's trouble, uh, Daniel's 70th week, it is seven years. In Matthew uh, 24, uh, it speaks of this time as great tribulation. Tribulation that was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. So again, we see a foreshadowing here of how God is going to protect the Jewish people during the time of Daniel's 70th week. And understand, for many years in my ministry, I made the tribulation all about the church. Uh, Tribulation is not about the church. Uh, The tribulation is going, you know, you read, uh, if you've ever read the Left Behind series uh, by Tim LaHaye, which I read and I really enjoyed it. But as I look back on it now, it's not about... Um, you know, uh, Gentile believers receiving a mark in their heads so that they're protected from the Antichrist. Um, The church is to be raptured out. The church is gone. The time of Daniel's 70th week has nothing to do with the Gentiles. It has everything to do with the nation of Israel. And we need to remember that. Now, notice in verse number 20, uh, down through verse number 25. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fire furnace. Then, then these men were bound in their coats, their hoses, and their hats. In other words, they were, they were just wound up with what they were standing there with and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even the men that got close enough to pitch him in were killed. And and these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king, and he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. So let's look at this. We see here these three Hebrew boys, Hebrew men at this point. Uh, they were probably in their early twenties. I would early twenties I would say. Uh, they knew that God was able to protect them. Uh, notice back in verse number 17 when he said, "We know that our God is able, but then in the next verse he says, "But if not, um, they knew that God was able to protect them. That is the perfect balance, living the Christian life on the brink. Uh, on the one hand, we know that God, can deliver us but God is not obligated to deliver us God can deliver us if he so chooses on the other hand we know that he may choose not to deliver us either way God is faithful notice that the only thing that burned were the ropes binding them and of course the guys that tossed them in Um, and Jesus is walking in the midst. Uh, Jesus is taking care of them, uh, or the Son of God. When the Bible speaks of the Son of God, um, it's referring to the second person of the Godhead. In the New Testament, he's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of Man through Mary. He's the Son of God through God the Father. That's called the hypostatic union. He's not 50% one, 50% another. He's 100% man, 100% God. If the type holds true, it shows how God is going to protect the Hebrews during Daniel's 70th week. And we see that, and I believe in in Revelation chapter 12, where it says that uh, the great dragon is going to come out for them and God is going to protect them, supernaturally protect the Hebrew people. Uh, We can look at that uh, in uh, Revelation chapter number 12, um, verses 1 through 6. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of ten stars. It's interesting, the Roman Catholic Church says that's them. Uh, If you look at one of the most popular images in the Roman Church, it's a woman uh, with a garland of, uh, of stars over her head, and she's standing on the, on the, on the moon, um, the sun, the moon under her feet. Uh, but then the Roman Catholic Church is not being referred to here in any way, shape, or form. This is the nation of Israel. And she, excuse me, being with child, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Um, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and cast them down um, and stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Obviously, that's referring to the birth of Christ. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God and to his throne. Of course, that's referring to not only his incarnation, but also his ascension, where he sits at the right hand of the Father, even to this this day, to make, to make uh, reconciliation, or to make, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intercession. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So uh, if the type holds true, and I believe it does, um, the Hebrews will be miraculously delivered during uh, the time of tribulation. And these three Hebrew boys represent the nation of Israel in type. So let's go ahead and look at verses 26 through uh, 29. Um, 26 through 29. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. Now notice he's, you know, attitude adjustment here. Come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors, you know, those jealous guys, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head even singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel, um, referring to that fourth person in the fire, and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. What a compliment uh, he is paying to these three uh, Hebrew boys. Therefore, I make a decree, Uh, he loved to make decrees, uh, that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. So then the king promoted Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, in his kingdom so here we see uh there was a little bit of an attitude adjustment in the life of king nebi (laughs) yours is truly uh the god and understand uh the babylonians believed in something that was called a trial by ordeal if you were accused of something and then the punishment killed you then you were presumed to be guilty you know people don't understand uh how novel it is historically for a nation for living in a nation where you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, that is not the way it has always been. It has always been, you are guilty until proven innocent, just the opposite. Uh, we're becoming dangerously close to going back to that, to that model. Uh, because nowadays the press just, uh, Um, convicts you uh, before you're even proven innocent. That's a dangerous uh, balancing act there. But uh, the Babylonians believe you were were guilty until you were proven innocent. The way you were proven innocent was a trial by ordeal. So if you died, you were guilty. If you survived, then you must be innocent. (laughs) So then we see that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, Daniel was not mentioned at all in this chapter. He, we know, would have never bowed to the image either. So we have to conclude that Daniel was simply not there. Uh, maybe he was away on business. Maybe he just was back at the palace doing something. Uh, he was a busy man, you know, but Daniel was not there. Uh, and again, you know, some would say that Daniel is a type of the church in that he Uh, was spared from the tribulation, uh, you know, that the Hebrews were going to go through. Um, And again, there's a lot of Old Testament types that are quite interesting. Uh, For example, that speak to the fact that the Hebrews are going to be delivered. Um, Not only this, I mean, this is one that shows they're going to be delivered from what is to come. Uh, But you'll remember back over in Genesis, uh, chapter number 18, um, Abraham is talking with the angel of the Lord. And, uh, and again, these are just types that are showing that the Jews are going to be delivered from this tribulation. In uh, Genesis 18, 23, it says, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked?'" peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city, will you destroy and not spare it for the fifty righteous that are therein? Um, far be it from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And of course the Lord said, if I find in Sodom fifty righteous, I will spare the place for their sakes. Again, that points to the fact that the righteous are not going to be judged with the wicked and of course the righteous that's being referred to here is speaking of the Jews um, then also you see in uh, uh, later on in uh, chapter number 19 uh, verse number 22 as Lot is being drug out of the city the angels are saying "Haste thee, escape thither for I cannot do anything until you become thither uh, so again we see an Old Testament type of of them being delivered prior to the judgment that's going to come. And that's what the great tribulation is. Nowhere do we see in the Bible the righteous being judged with the wicked. Um, In Luke chapter number 17, uh, for example, coming over into the New Testament, Luke chapter 17, in verses uh, 28 through 30, he says, Likewise, also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Um, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we see that Lot had to be brought out. The righteous had to be taken out before they could rain fire and brimstone. And then we also, Peter refers to this in 2 Peter chapter number two, um, in verse number four, when he says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in chains of darkness and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in ashes and condemn condemned them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that should live ungodly and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked so all of those are types that point to the fact that God is going to supernaturally preserve take care of the nation of Israel And again, there's application there. While none of this is referring specifically to the church or the body of Christ, there's a principle there that God does protect us. God, there is a protection upon God's people. That doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. I mean, remember, they were thrown into the fire. Uh, That was probably getting thrown in. Uh, The very thought of being thrown thrown in was the worst part of it. It was once they were in the heat that they realized that God was indeed taking care of them. And, and that applies to our lives as well. That God does take care of us because he does love us and he does want the best for us and he is working all things out for our good. So that wraps up chapter number three of Daniel. I hope that you enjoyed that. I, I encourage you, study the word of God, compare scripture with scripture, be a good Berean. Um, you know, I think as I study, I, I stand corrected so many times. There are so many things that I've, you know, if I would have, last time I taught this book, uh, my whole theme was the church, the church, the church. It's all about the church. It's not about the church. It's about God's chosen, God's people, the nation of Israel. And the church, we are blessed as a result of that. That's what Romans chapter number 11 is all about, so... Well, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great week. And again, remember, God does love you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good. And later on this week, I will uh, post uh, another part, another session on our study of the word of God. And then again, Sunday morning, uh, we'll be together for our continuing study in the book of Acts. As most of you know, I'm, on, I'm in Facebook jail at the moment. So the only thing I can do is post. Uh, once I'm out of Facebook jail, which I think will be around May the 18th, um, we're going to go back to premiering and doing live videos, which I find a whole lot more interactive and a whole lot more fun. (laughs) God bless you guys.